Y'all, no joke, every time I have gotten up here at Nexus, there has been a microphone problem. I don't know if it's me. It's probably me. Let's, let's just be real. It's me. Every time. I, I can't believe that. I even thought this morning, you know what? I bet there's going to be a microphone problem. So the year was 2007. If you remember back to 2007, some things will start to jog in your memory as I tell you this story. I got a great gift from my parents that year. It was a box, a little box, with a little tiny toy helicopter inside. I was like, okay, I got a helicopter. Then I unfolded the piece of paper and said, you get to ride in a helicopter. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. So it was a really long time before I actually took the gift and scheduled my flight, but I finally made it out to the airport, hopped in a helicopter, and we took off over the city. Now, I don't know about you, but I really do love and appreciate our city. Richmond is such an incredible place to be and to live and to experience life. And so as we took off over downtown, these large buildings look like toys on the ground. And then we flew over the river, and you could see the rapids from the air. And as we headed west over the University of Richmond, go spiders. It was amazing to see, again, these large, large buildings reduced to little tiny things down there on the ground. And we kept heading west. And what you see in the air is that the tree cover over our city, especially the west end, it just seems to go on and on and on. The trees are tremendous. And then we got to this large patch of dirt. Now, this isn't just any patch of dirt. You now know this patch of dirt as Whole Foods, Chewy's, ACAC, um, Trader Joe's, Dave & Buster's. Some of you maybe even know this patch of dirt as home. But in 2007, it was just a patch of dirt. Uh, Just this past week, there was a news story about another patch of dirt. Actually, it's a patch of trees right now that they're slowly making into a patch of dirt. Just up Northgate Road, they're launching a building campaign on a $40 million senior living community. And if you've been by this week, the corner of Northgate and Pouncey Tract, you've seen that the bulldozers are taking down the trees one by one. And you look all around us, and this just continues to happen. More and more growth, more and more building and development. And as you head west, there are buildings we didn't even know were old that they're already fixing. We were at Chipotle for lunch yesterday, and they were replacing the roof. I didn't know Chipotle was old. And as you go west down Broad Street, there are less and less empty tracts of land because there's so much growth and development going on around us. Well, on a flashback to another patch of dirt in 1989. In 1989, where we are right now was just a patch of dirt. And some forward-thinking people started to put together a plan for what would become Gaten Baptist Church. And they sensed the same thing that we saw in West Broad Village was coming to life right here in the West End. 
So over the, these past few weeks, we have taken a look at a new you. There's something about the new year that allows us an opportunity to get a fresh start, to start something new, to develop new habits and rhythms. And I read a few weeks ago that there's something psychologically about the new year that is different than any other milestone in our year. More so than our birthday, even a big birthday. More so than the start of a new school year, the start of a new job. The start of a new year is the most impactful. Not always impactful. How many of you have already given up on your New Year's resolution? But it is the most impactful time of the year to start a new year. So, over these past few weeks, we started with the circle. And the circle is this idea that when something happens, a moment in our lives, we should repent. Not just repent, that's a really churchy word. But repent means give it up. Call it what it is, own it, internalize it, and then put some plan into action. How are you going to respond to this so that the next time something happens like that, you'll be a stronger person? That is the core of our faith. Our lives go around and around, and we continually have these moments that we can respond to. And so that is the circle. Then the second week, Josh talked about new rhythms. Even in creation, the creation of the world, at the end of six days of working, God said, you know what is good? Rest. And so we rest from our work, and we rest for our new work. And it's like a pendulum, which is why it's a semicircle on the screen. And we go back and forth. From work to rest. And then last week, Pastor Mike reminded us of the triangle. That what we do in gathering large here is continuing that relationship. That Jesus took time away from people to pray and connect with God in heaven. That he also spent time investing really significantly in a small group of people. And that he called them to live out into the world. Up, in, and out is our triangle. And so this morning, we're going to look at one more shape, the Pentagon. Now, some of you may be wondering, if you're anything like me, what happened to the square? I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about the square sometime, but we're going to skip that for today and jump straight to the Pentagon. So there's this stretch of the Bible in the New Testament. It comes after Jesus' life. Jesus has left the earth, gone to heaven to be with his heavenly father, but he's left behind a message and a call for the disciples. And so the disciples have taken the message of Jesus to new people in new places, in new countries. And we reach this point where Paul is one of those who has gone out and we're a few generations spiritually away from Jesus. So there are now people following Jesus who never knew Jesus in places where Jesus never walked. And as Paul is going from place to place, he actually walks them through the square and sends them on their way. And then he goes on to the next place and repeats the process, investing in them, planting a new church, starting a new thing, and then he goes on to the next place. But what he does after he's moved on is he writes a letter back to the church that he has left. And the letter serves a few different functions. It reminds them of what he has taught them. It 
confirms or confronts rumors or stories that he's heard from them that have come to him to say, you remember what we talked about, and I hear you're not doing that. So remember. And so he didn't have FaceTime. He didn't have a phone. He had to write a letter. And these letters got passed down until they finally came together in what we now know as the Bible. And so in this one particular letter, he's writing to a church at Ephesus, which is a town, a city, in what we now know as the country of Turkey. And he's been there, he's lived with them, he's invested in them, and now he's gone on to the next thing, the next place, the next place for him to go. But he's only gone because he knows that they have a full awareness of that. And so he has written a letter to them, and we pick up in chapter 4 of Ephesians, and it will be on the screen. If you have a Bible or the Bible app, feel free to turn there. Uh, If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, uh, check it out. Just search in Bible in your app store um, and follow along with us. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is already a powerful idea right here. He says united. One, 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 one. There's this sense of togetherness. And it's a reminder for this church that didn't even know Jesus that they are not alone. They are not out on their own somewhere. They are part of something much bigger than just themselves. But it's also a call amongst them that they are one. They are one group following one call in one place. And these verses continue. He keeps this theme of one going. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. This one is so powerful to Paul that he just continues to repeat it over and over and over again. You know, we are one church. But we have many expressions of church here at Gaten. Right now, while we are here, there is another gathering upstairs. There was another one this morning. And throughout the week, we gather in small groups, in medium groups. But we are one. We are one church gathering in a multitude of ways, experiencing up, in, and out in a variety of ways and places. And so the reminder is just as important for us that we are one We are one church in one place called to that one purpose. However, that's Paul's word, not mine. Paul's about to drop a whoever on us. And he says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Paul here is quoting scripture. He's quoting from Psalm 68 and saying, you've heard this said, this is what I mean by this. And in the next verse, now these, a few verses later, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Now you may be saying, apostles and prophets in 2019, 
Those are like the three kings, and they're dressed really fancy, and they have scrolls, and it's, what is this? The evangelist? Isn't that the person that's on late night TV trying to get our dollars to go buy a plane? And the pastor, don't, don't we have a pastor here at the church? And I, I'm not very good at teaching. But let's take a look at what each of these gifts really means. So we have the apostle. The apostle is the pioneering organizer. They're the ones who see what is ahead and unite people. They put a plan in motion and say, we're going to go after this. Let's do it. Here's how we're going to do it. You do this, you do that, you do that. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to measure success. Let's go. They're pioneers. Then there's the prophets. The prophets are horizon-minded futurists. They see what's out there. They see maybe in a little bit of an idealistic way, a perfectionist sort of way, that, hey, the world really should be a better place because, and they remind people of that. Then there's the evangelist. The evangelist is a connector, connecting people to the message of Jesus. And in connecting people to the message of Jesus, it's just natural. It, it just comes out so naturally in any conversation, in any relationship. They could be on the train, the bus, the plane, in class, at work, at the lunch table, and something comes up in conversation, and they just naturally point back to Jesus. And then there's pastors. Other translations of scripture say shepherd instead of pastor, which may be a little more accessible, may not be quite as daunting. But the shepherds are nurturing, relational caretakers. They want to make sure that everybody is well taken care of, well cared for. Imagine what a shepherd would do to the sheep in caring for them, making sure they are protected, well-fed, nourished, and healthy. And then the teachers. The teachers are the guardians of our story. They know our story, our history, where we are from, and where we are right now. And they're going to ground us in that and remind us that no matter how ideal that future might be, there is a story to tell right here and right now. So in 1988, some people, prophets, said, you know what? Fox Hall is going to be built out this way. Wellesley is going to be built out this way. Let's buy some property for a church. And then the prophet said, okay, if we're going to put a church out here, we need a plan. What's our plan going to be? Who's going to support this? And they began to put the pieces of the team in place and together. And the evangelists reminded those folks that they needed to make connections. And so, in 1988, 1989, they went to, not Google, the White Pages. And they called down the white pages, making connections with people, inviting them in to Gaten. And the shepherds cared for everyone. And the teachers reminded them the story of Jesus, this life-giving hope and the message that was why this church started to begin with. This verse in Ephesians, the passage continues, that their responsibility is to equip God's people 
to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And that was what they did in 1998 and 1999. It led to 30 years ago, Gaten's first service at an elementary school, at Gaten Elementary. And you saw the picture of the groundbreaking, which came a short while later, as this facility began to take shape, to be part of what we are called to in this community, equipping God's people to do their work. And that verse continues. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Remember, we started with united. We are one. We are all together. However, we each have a gift. We each have a purpose. But the purpose of these gifts is to unite the body of Christ to be one. To go somewhere, to do something, to be something in the community. And we can all make each other better. And in the end, so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. About two years ago, we had been through at that time 28 years of Gaten continuing to live into this mission. Each of those people, each of those gifts, speaking out into the life of the church, helping us to be on mission with Feed My Starving Children and down the street at the retirement communities that have been part of this community almost as long as we have been. To be on mission and starting a preschool and an after-school program, making connections in this community and in this world. And two years ago, a group got together representing each of these five gifts. And the prophet said, you know what? Look out there. Look out at Broad Street. Look what's happening. It started at West Broad Village, and now we've got like three more of those down Broad Street. And it's just going to keep on going. And the apostles said, you know what? Let's put a plan together. Let's get the team of the right people around this mission together. And the evangelist said, okay, but as we do this, don't forget, we have to be connecting with people. Let's connect with these people in our neighborhoods, at work, at school. Let's live this out. And the pastors, the shepherds said, okay, let's welcome people. Let's, let's stand out at the front doors, make sure people feel welcomed as they walk in the doors. And the teachers said, all right, and we need to be grounded. We need to remember this message that this is what we are about. This is who we are for. This is why we exist. This life-giving hope of Jesus. And so that's why, all of that is why in December, Nexus launched. And Nexus launched to remind us all that we are about being up, having a relationship and a connection with God. That we are about being in a, a connection with other people and that we are about living out and connecting our world to that life-giving hope. You know, there's something about being in community. This passage refers to the body of Christ. If there were 
six arms in a body, that body wouldn't make it very far. We are a full and complete body because God created us this way. And so the image is the same, that the body is one and united when it includes all of these gifts. When each of these gifts is allowed to live fully into who they are and what they were meant to be. And we have an opportunity to do that. We have an opportunity to connect in community. It's one of our core aspects as a church. It's one of our core things in Nexus is to connect in, have relationships with other people. Just like Jesus did with the disciples, we want to have those connections. But being connected isn't just about making you feel good. That's kind of unbalanced to just feel good. It's also not about feeling guilty either. It's not going into a group to feel guilty about what we've done or where we've been or who we've been. At its healthiest, when we are one, united, but five different gifts, five different motivations, five different voices into this group, united as one together, we are in equal parts supporting each other and challenging each other. We're inviting each other to live through that circle, to say, hey, this happened. I'm sorry it happened. How can you learn and grow from this? Being supported while you experience it, but challenged while you grow from it. How will you respond? And supporting and challenging each other, making sure that our lives are in balance, that we are resting from our work and working out of our rest. We live in a, a culture where that can be hard. We can work too hard. But supporting and challenging each other allows us to live in balance. And then the triangle. To support and challenge each other. And remember, we are about connecting large, gathering large, connecting small, and going out. And so that's our challenge to you. As we wrap up this first month of the new year, it's an opportunity for us to take a step back and look at where we are. We're a month in. It's not too late to craft a New Year's resolution. It's not too late to say, you know what? I'm missing part of this from my life. I need this connection in my life. To be supported and challenged, I want to go further in who I am in following Jesus. But I, I'm tired of doing it alone. Being alone is not the oneness that Paul talked about. It's easy for us to go alone, to think we can go faster and farther, but we can't. What the Nexus journey, working with the Nexus team, has taught me and showed me is that we are far stronger when we get all five of those gifts around the table together. We are far better when we lean into each other when other people support and challenge us in areas where we are weak, in a blind spot that we may, may not see, they are challenging us and holding us to why we are together. And so that's our invitation to you. As we wrap up this month, 
take a week next week to serve and gather here and pack meals for starving kids around the world. That's part of our out. And you're here, so you've connected, gathered large. So I invite you to connect. As we close worship this morning, I'll I'll give you more succinct ways to take that next step. But in a few minutes, as we sing our closing song, I want to invite you to reflect on that as we sing and worship together. Reflect and sit in that question. Am I connected how I need to be connected? Or should I take a next step this morning?